Hello and welcome to episode number 105 of The Heart of Teaching. I'm Nathan Rivers, and today's episode is entitled Gangs and Grooming. Next week's episode is a direct continuation on this important theme and will be an insightful and impactful discussion about what happens when someone chooses to go down this dangerous path. Be sure to tune in next week to hear a whole new perspective on this troubling topic. If you know anybody in the community that's making a difference, send us a DM on Instagram. We'll shout them out in an upcoming episode and explain their impact on the community. This week, we'd like to recognize the legendary teacher at Bowen Island Community School, Mr. David Gloge. Thank you for your years of service and dedication to all those who you've taught. Thank you for all that you do. We'd also like to shout out Champs Sports in Coquitlam, B.C. for their generosity with donating shoes and apparel to needy kids in the Coquitlam School District. Thank you so much for contributing to such an important and impactful cause. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on Instagram. The link to do so is available in the episode description. The Heart of Teaching proudly supports Mom Stop the Harm. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Welcome back to The Heart of Teaching. I'm Dave Ruzicki with my student producer, my great friend Nathan Rivers, and thanks for joining us today. As always, both Nathan and I, we appreciate your company and we appreciate your time. Now, several years ago, I had the good fortune for a short period of time coaching football down in Southern California. And you know, it was an awesome experience for me, but it was also a real eye-opener. I had that opportunity to talk with some very good men, the coaches, who not only coached football, but more importantly, mentored the kids that they had worked with. Now, one of those coaches was actually a police constable, and he was based out of Los Angeles, and he worked in the high schools in L.A., and, and he was focused on keeping kids out of gangs and drugs. Now, during the breaks in practice and coaches' meetings, I got a chance to ask him some questions related to what he saw and how to help the students in the schools make better decisions. And honestly, I could probably do a dozen episodes on what he saw and the tragic events and consequences related to the street gangs and, you know, their influence and the culture in the schools that he was working at in L.A. But for the purposes of this episode, I thought I, I could focus on what he said related to the kids being recruited and, as he referred to it as, groomed by these gangs and what parents, teachers, coaches, and students could do to avoid being involved in these gangs and that lifestyle. Now, the first thing he said was the reason he was passionate about football and why he loved coaching football was because in football, for most programs, and certainly any programs that I've been involved in, there are no tryouts. That means no one gets cut. The teams take everyone who wants to play. Now, the kids may not all get that same playing time during a game, but for the most part, everyone belongs. And as he said, and I agree, that's the key word, belong. And you know what? It's so true. Everyone wants to belong. No one wants to be alone. No one wants to be on the outside looking in. So, as he said, once the football programs are established and you're working with close to 100 kids, and these kids belong, our values as coaches and the rules and, and the insight that we lay down for these boys ultimately impact their decision-making moving forward. He went on to say that, 
it may not just be football programs, but any programs or clubs that exist in the schools allow the kids to be part of something. And once again, he said, that's the key, being part of something. He said that gangs actually prey on and recruit those kids who are troubled and who are on the outside, once again, looking in. Now, they look for those kids who may not have a friend group in the schools. He actually believes, sadly, that the schools were the first level of recruitment for low-level gangsters who, who could groom these kids so that eventually those kids saw their friend group revolve around the gangs. But, you know, I asked him specifics. I asked him how. I said, how do they do this in the schools? And he said that in L.A., gangs would often hang around football practices at the beginning of the year to see which football player may be having a bad day, may not be happy with the football program. He said that these football programs were so essential to success these kids have, but the gangs were looking for the kids that didn't fit in, the kids that wouldn't follow the conduct policies related to academics and character. The gangs wanted to see who was suspended or maybe cut, then swoop in and scoop them up and give them an opportunity to be part of their world, the gang world, where the rules were limited, related to academics and quality of character, and focused more on violence, intimidation, crime, drugs, and of course money. You know, as we practiced, he pointed out two cars waiting patiently at the edge of the parking lot, which was adjacent to the practice field. And they were nice cars, they were vintage, all decked out with fancy paint jobs and expensive rims and tires. He said that those two cars were a local high school gang that was interested in recruiting new members for a new school year. I asked him, I said, how do they recruit within the school? And he said they were very strategic and well-planned. And he gave me one specific and common play. He said that early in the school year, the gangsters would watch which kids didn't fit in, which students. The loners or the kids that looked troubled and easily influenced, they could spot them. And they'd watch the hallways. They'd offer these kids to buy their lunches or snacks or even give them gifts. And he gave me a couple of examples. He said, let's say we've got a quiet kid who's in line in the cafeteria. And the gang kid steps forward and buys this young man his lunch and says, hey, don't worry about it. Just trying to help you out. They do this several times, going as far as even giving the kids T-shirts or, in some cases, expensive shoes like a pair of Jordans or something, but never asking for anything in return. And this goes on for weeks. Then the gangsters want to want their picture taken with the kids that they've just given all of these gifts to. And they say they just need a picture of their new friend. And the kids hold up the gifts that they were given and the pictures are taken. Now here's where the hook comes in. Let's say that those school gangsters have a bag of drugs in a backpack and they want to move the drugs and sell them in the school. So of course they find their client list first, right? The, the kids who want to buy it. But to avoid being busted with the drugs on campus, they'll often ask the kids who they bought the treats for to hold the drug bag for a few hours, or in some cases, a few days. Now, they do this because it's now those kids' turn to be kind to the gangsters, kind of a sick way of paying it forward. They even show the kids the pictures with them holding the gifts that the gangsters gave them and said, now it's your turn form of intimidation. Now, the drug bag is usually exchanged in the washrooms where there's no cameras or outside of the school grounds, once again, where there's no video surveillance. The gangsters will make specific arrangements when to reclaim their, their stash. They manipulate these poor kids 
when the gangsters believe they're about to be searched or busted. So they now have these kids and they actually call them mules because the kids will carry their, their stash. And all they need is one or two kids to help them move product and eventually bring those kids into their world. Very sophisticated and very well planned out. So I asked him, I said, how do you stop this stuff from happening? And my friends reply, he said, you know, Dave, this is always going to be part of the school culture, drugs, right? It's how you handle it. Regardless of the school or location, you may not have gangs, but you're always going to have drugs. And he said, as much as it is about trying to bust the kids that are selling drugs, like the gangsters, which is becoming more and more difficult, it's more about ensuring that the students in the schools have programs that will support them like the sports teams and, and the clubs that exist. And he said that coaches and teachers, what they need to do is they need to try and seek these kids out, the ones that are struggling, the ones that don't belong. Don't wait for them to come to us. We need to go to them. Find the kids that don't fit in. And once they're part of our programs, allow them to feel supported. And when we've got them, allow them to be mentored and show them that good things will happen when they're with good people. He also believes in being very real with the young adults he talks about. He talks to the students in grade level meetings about how gang culture evolves and the recruiting process just the same as he did for me. He also brings in ex-gang members and lets them tell their tragic story and it's almost like a, a scared straight kind of assembly and an approach. And he warns the students what to look out for once again, the same information he provided for me and more importantly, who to look out for and who to avoid. He said it comes down to one simple question and he poses this question to the students. And he says, who do you really believe is trying to help you and make you successful in life? These gangbangers who buy you sneakers and t-shirts and lunches and then ask you to store their drugs, do you really believe they've got your back, seriously? Or the people in your life, that one special person, that one coach, teacher, parent, relative or friend who wants you to be successful? He goes on and says, life's about choices and consequences. And he tells the kids, make the right choice. You know, our conversation, it really stuck with me. And I can assure you, what he told me is not unique to only the high schools in Los Angeles. I can tell you in Canada, in our provinces, and in our high schools, there are the same challenges. So in summary, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, get this information out to the young adults we care about. Talked about this gangster thing. Talk about the grooming thing. And remember to get the kids involved in some programs, any programs that support and mentor them. And you know what? If you're a teacher and you've got a program, don't wait for the kids to come to you. Go to the kids. Recruit these kids. Find them in the hallways and get them involved. Recruit. I mean, the gangs do. So should we. And what we need to remember is everyone wants a sense of attachment and belonging. And communication, support, and mentoring will always be the keys. This is Dave Ruzicki with Nathan Rivers. Thanks again for joining us. Both of us will be back next week. Hopefully you will too. So as always, please take care, be well, and peace.